are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hey, we've been in a series called Psalm 23, and we are finally down to the home stretch. That's kind of good for us. You know, almost to the finish line, you know, stretching across the table. Any, any runners in here? Anybody used to run track in school or anything? You know, you get down to the, to the finish line and you get into that tape and you, you lean across that tape to get to the best time. And we're kind of leaning in at the end of the series, not to get it finished, but there's some things that God has for us here, this very last message today. And I think it's, it's good for us. Um, Psalm 23 is a rich passage of Scripture. And there's been so much in there for us, and it's really a good picture of our journey following the Lord and uh, how good we have it. Even when things are tough, even when it's difficult, God's good and He's involved in our life. And this has been good for us as uh, our Novo family to go through this too. Um, I, I think I've realized about myself a little bit that most of my teaching over the years has been about prosperity and healing and and uh, blessings, and, and that's good, you know, that's part of, that's part of it, but um, a big part of our walk with God is also the wilderness, that we go through tough times and challenges and testing, and we can't ignore that, you know, if you don't, if you don't understand how to follow God in the wilderness, when things get tough, it's going to be easy to quit. People don't know what to do with that, you know, so it's good that we're teaching both. We teach prosperity and what God wants to do, but we're also teaching about following God in the wilderness. A lot of the Bible that we read is about the wilderness time. 70% of the terrain in Israel is wilderness terrain. So it's good for us to focus on that too. And honestly, um, we've, had a, we've had great years at Inovo, but the last two years have been a little hard. You know, there's been COVID we've had to deal with, and some illnesses, and honestly, a little, little conflict in our church family. But God's faithful as we follow Him and lean into Him and, and listen to Him and try to obey. He will always supply our need, and there won't be any lack. I love what Saul, what, uh, Saul wrote in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He'll supply our need. We won't have any lack. He, he's paying attention to us, and He takes care of us, and that's good for us. And, and I was thinking, you've got two choices when you're in the wilderness. You've got two choices. We can trust who God is and step into what He's doing and who He's inviting us to be, or we can shrink back and be afraid and freeze. You ever been there before? You just kind of, you kind of freeze. It gets tough. You don't know what to do, and we kind of shrink back. I heard someone say this week, <coughs> it's easier to be a slave in Egypt than to trust God in the desert. Let me say that again. It's easier to be a slave in Egypt than to trust God in the desert. Because to trust God, we've got to move forward. And we have to trust Him. So uh, I hope this teaching has helped you have some practical ideas in the desert time. So let's stand together. We're going to read Psalm 23 together. And so if you just stand where you are, and we will read this on the count of three. There's three screens, if I remember to read it all, which I hope I will. 
So here we go. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of His name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can be seated. I always want to say, surely goodness and mercy. Old King James, that's kind of how I memorized it. Well, hey, last week we talked about the tent. If you were here, that little shift to the Bedouin context and how he kind of steps out of being a sheep and he talks about going into God's tent and in God's tent there's a table and our face gets anointed with oil and our cup overflows. And that was good. That's talking about how generous and extravagant God is with us. Now we're in this last verse. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. We are back to the shepherding context again for the rest of this verse. Now, really, when you think about it, Psalm 23 is like a day in the life of a sheep. This is the whole day of the sheep, okay? You know, the sheep in the morning, the cool of the night, a breeze blows in from the Mediterranean Sea full of moisture, nice and cool. It hits those hot rocks up on the hilltops that are facing west, and the water drips down, and grass begins to grow up along the rocks. And we call that green pastures. And it's all, it's all over up in the hills. So the shepherd gets the sheep up early in the morning, rouses them, and, and takes them out for their five-mile journey. Every, every day was about a five-mile journey for the sheep. And he, and he leads them out up into the mountains, and they find that yummy grass, and they eat it. And uh, then the shepherd leads them down into the pools of water where there's been the flash floods, and they drink from the quiet waters. Then he leads them onto the right safe paths uh, in the journey uh, through the scary valleys and the, the scary place in the wilderness. And he's a good shepherd, and he knows how to lead us. Then we make a, a pit stop in the Father's tent, and there's food and shelter, and he refreshes our face with oil. And now it's the end of the day, and we're heading back from our long journey to the sheep pen to, to go home. And it's starting to get a little dark. Starting to get a little dark outside. Now, the wilderness can be kind of a scary place at night. You know, at nighttime, predators come out in the twilight, and they, uh, they poke around a little bit. Now, in, in my neighborhood, I live, we live kind of out a little ways, and during the day, you can find deer and turkeys, and they're running all over the place, kind of a nuisance sometimes, and, and, and you can see those animals out, but at night, they start to get a little skittish start getting a little scared, and they start to, to hide and find a safe place for the night. And you can hear the coyotes in my neighborhood at night gather. 
and they get ready for an evening of hunting, and they have this, they have this chilling cry. I can almost hear them right now. They have this, this chilling cry as they start to gather to go out and, and hunt the, the, the turkeys and the, and the deer, and in that day, maybe even some of, some of the sheep. And it's kind of unnerving. And, and they like uh, kitty cat as their favorite meal in my neighborhood. It's on, it's on the menu too because they are, they are everywhere out in my neighborhood. Now, at this, this time of night, the shepherd becomes hyper aware that something might be following the flock. Something might be following them. The shepherd hears some noises behind the flock. He knows the flock is tired and it's getting dark, and it's prime time for predators to come along, especially these guys, uh, wolves are out there, coyotes and wolves, and he needs to be on guard, trains off in the desert, <laughs> there's some trains out there, <laughs> he needs to be on guard, and he needs to get the flock home without delay, and uh, these wolves especially love to follow the flock at night to catch any of the stragglers. Got any stragglers in the room? He's looking for the stragglers, the tired sheep, the ones who are yawning, Amy, and uh, just waiting for them to kind of drop off the side of the path, and he's, then he's gonna make, they're going to make their move. And, and they're watching for these, hoping to get an easy meal. Now, um, back in David's day, shepherds had two tools to help them protect the flock. The first thing they had was called, called under-shepherds. Under shepherds are like the assistant shepherds that the shepherd would hire to come help them. Maybe a, a cousin or somebody, I don't know. And they'd bring them in, and at night when they're heading back to the sheep pen, those under shepherds would take up the rear and guard the, the, the flock from behind. Or maybe the under shepherd would lead the flock and the shepherd himself would go back there just to keep an eye on things to keep the sheep safe. And then the, the second thing is this, the Bible actually talks about sheepdogs. There were sheepdogs back in the day that would, that would uh, go to the rear of the flock and kind of nip at the heels of the, of the sheep and keep them moving to get them in. The Bible talks about this in Job and some other places. Job said, uh, <coughs> they were, they were, men are giving me a hard time that I would not even count worthy to sit and watch my sheepdogs. So there were sheepdogs back in David's day as well. And, and what David does here is very interesting. He uses this picture of the wolves and the coyotes and the predators chasing the flock from behind. And he says, something is following the flock, but it's not predators. He says this, surely goodness and faithfulness will follow me. Not just at night, but all the days of my life, and I will make it home. That's what he's saying. So at the time when the, when the predators are following, he says, no, that's not what's following me. If you're God's kid, goodness and faithfulness are following you all the days of your life. And today I want to do something really simple. I just want us to look at three Hebrew words, basically, in this passage that help us understand what's following you. Do you know what's following you? The first one, when Jesus, the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, goodness follows you. Goodness. The, word, the Hebrew word here is tob. 
Let's say that together. It's a pretty easy word. On three. One, two, three. Tob. Tob's a good Hebrew word. It means pleasant and agreeable and good and bountiful and beautiful and the best. And even it, it kind of it kind of insinuates cheerfulness and ease and favor following you. God's work is following you all the days of your life. Now, this is the same word used throughout the Bible, but especially in Genesis 1 and 2 when God's creating the world. Have you read that part of the Bible? It talks about God. He, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And what else did He make? What else did He create? What's that? <laughs> Light <laughs> and the atmosphere and animals and, and mankind. And Genesis 1.31, And God saw all that He made, and behold, it was very tob. It was very tob. It was very good. It was God's work, and there weren't any flaws in it. It was, it was, it was tob. And one thing, we're not going to talk about this today so much, but you know, when God made everything, it was good, but it wasn't complete. It wasn't finished. And He handed it off to Adam and said, okay, let's see what you got. What are you going to do with this? And Adam named it, and he, and he improved upon it, and it was his work, and it's going to be our work. And, uh, but David says the same sense of goodness follows us in the wilderness every day. Part of this is God's approval and acceptance and involvement. You know, a lot of times as we go through life, we kind of feel we're aware of our mistakes. You know, places where we fall short, snapped at somebody last week, got a little frustrated. You know, I've learned I'm not normally, I don't normally not feel good, but you know, this month has been a long month and I get, I'll get a little cranky sometimes and uh, not always myself. And, and we can be aware, you know, I go, if you're like me, I go to bed at night and I'm thinking things over, I'm thinking, man, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> you know, and, oh man, I did this thing, I shouldn't have done that, and we're aware of just our, our mistakes and problems following us as we go through the day, and that's really a false narrative. You know, David says, hey man, there's stuff following you, it's the goodness and acceptance and involvement of God in your life. You know, when we go to bed at night, we can could, we could stop and just think of, man, yeah, I'm a mess, but God loves me, and He's involved, and I've got His acceptance, and I'll, I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I've got it, and it's following me around every day, and we just meditate on that and think about that. It's good. And God looked at Adam, and He, he said there was something that wasn't good. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone, and He took Adam's rib and, and made Eve out of that, and he said, okay, now it's Tob, now it's good again. And they went through that test, you know, in the, in the, in the garden, where God's not a, guard, a God of rules. There was one rule, don't eat the fruit of the tree, this one tree, and they, and they ate it, and the, and the Tob and the peace and the harmony that was there just got marred and disfigured, and it, it, it became messy and evil was invited in. The word for evil in the Bible is, is Ra, was invited in, and it just caused some chaos. And God had a plan all along, and it was for the Lord Jesus to come 
and, he, and he, that curse that came upon us because of those mistakes and, and, and sin. Uh, Jesus came and he broke the curse on the cross. And now we don't need to fear the darkness or the, or the evil. He broke the curse. And, and we can step away from that. What's following me? You know, you know we've got mistakes in our past. We've got things in our life where we've kind of messed up. And we feel like that stuff is always following us. And we can be assured that good, the goodness of God is following us in our life. It's not evil on my heels. It's not the wolf or the coyote. God is following me. And one thing that, that He invites us to have, and it takes some practice, takes some work sometimes, this anticipation of the goodness of God. Now, do you ever live in such a way where you're anticipating something bad is going to happen to you? You ever feel that? You know, I, that's, not, that's not from the Lord, that fear you know, of that, that something bad is going to happen. You know, some of us, we've lived that way all of our lives. We're just expecting the next bad thing to happen. We're expecting the, less, the left shoe to drop. But David says, no, surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And I think one thing God wants to work in our hearts and our minds is this anticipation of the goodness of God to show up in our lives. He's wanting to show up and do things that we can't do for ourselves. He, he's going to prevail and have the final word in our life. Good is on your heels. Good is on your heels. Let's say that together. Good is on my heels. Good is on my heels. It is. We can anticipate that, okay? So when the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, goodness is following you. But also when the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, faithfulness follows you. Now, if you have the King James translation, mercy is following you, okay? The word here is uh, kessid, kessid. It means mercy or loving kindness or love. And it's one of those words where it doesn't translate perfectly into English. It's so rich and there's so much in that word. Um, but what it really means is this, giving yourself fully with love and compassion to someone else. Kesed, giving yourself fully in love and faithfulness and compassion to another. And this word is in the, in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 190 times, and it's really seen as one of the primary, um, one of Jude, uh, Judaism's main virtues in, in what's, what's believed. But it means loving kindness, mercy, and, mercy and faithfulness. And it's, it carries this idea, God's not going to stop. He's not going to quit loving us. He is, he is on our heels. He's, he's coming after us. And He's not going to quit. And um, it also inc it includes this aspect of courage and Im imagination. So I'd put it like this. Uh, Kesed is God's deep of abiding Faithful covenant love that carries God's courage and imagination and how He carries it out. He's going to love you in creative ways. You know, the coming of the Lord Jesus, I think about this, that He didn't have to come, but He did. He could have left us alone, but He didn't. He came after us, and, and God's atoning work for us on the cross was very creative. Uh, God's imagination was at work. He put this thing together like nothing we would have anticipated or understood. 
And he did it in a very creative way. Kessid. Now, this word's used a lot in the, in the story of Abraham. It carries a sense of God's covenant love. Uh, I was thinking, Alyssa and Joel got married yesterday. The wedding was very Alyssa and Joel, if you know them. It was very much them. But they made a covenant to each other to love each other, to be faithful, uh, to stay together, and keep loving each other. Uh, has it been a year for you guys yet? Has it been a year? What's that? December's coming up quick. You guys did that here too. It's that, it's that covenant, those covenant promises we make in marriage to each other. And um, God made a covenant with Abraham and said, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. You're going to have kids. Um, the, every nation on earth is going to be blessed through you. And you're going to have a son. And through his descendants, I'm going to bring the Messiah and I'm going to fix this mess. And that was Jesus who came and did that. And this whole theme in this word kessed is God makes good on his word. And he's at work. You know? Uh, do you feel like God has made promises to you? You know, he's promised us things through his word. But we also get the sense of what God wants to do in our life. And how he's going to use us. And I want you to know he's faithful to do those things that he's promised in our lives. It's that kessed, that love, that faithfulness, that loving kindness, that covenant love. And uh, we also see it in the book of Ruth. Anybody love the book of Ruth? We did a series on Ruth. It's been probably five or six years, I think, how uh, Ruth came from, from Moab in faithfulness to his, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and Boaz, the kin, kinsman redeemer, took her up. And, and, and married her, and she, a foreigner, became part of God's line of the Messiah coming. It became David who wrote this psalm. It beca she became David's great-great-grandmother. It's just that, that aspect that God's faithfulness, this kessid, is that he's, gonna, he's, gonna keep, he's not going to stop. He's going to keep loving. He's going to keep working. He's going to keep, even when we mess it up, he's still at work. Covenantal love will follow me all the days of my life. So we got goodness, we got this covenantal, abiding, creative, imaginative love that won't stop. And the Lord Jesus says, you know, if, if I'm your shepherd, these things are going to follow you through David. And that word follows the last one. That word is radoff. Let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Radoff. It means to pursue chase, hunt, or persecute, okay? To pursue, chase, but it's more than that, to hunt or to persecute. It's, it's often used in the context of an enemy pursuing a victim. Think about the wolves and the coyotes following the sheep. They are not there to give the sheep a kiss in the behind, are they? They are there to grab a sheep. They are relentlessly pursuing and chasing down the sheep hoping to get one. They are after the sheep. Uh, it doesn't mean to randomly follow. It means to follow with a purpose to hunt. Now, last October, I went musky fishing with my, my brother David up in the North Woods. It was beautiful. It was fall. The leaves were changing. And we went there uh, to hunt musky. I've got a, I don't know if you've got a picture of me and Dave here. Uh, up there on, on a boat getting ready to fish. That's our, that's our lake. It was Squall Lake, it was called. 
And muskie is a hard fish to catch. <coughs> uh, it's called the fish of 10,000 casts. Because they say one out of every 10,000, you're going to get one. And it's listed as one of the seven hardest fish to catch in the world. And muskies are at the top of the food chain. They eat all the other fish. So usually when they're in a lake where there's a lot of muskie, that's all that's in there are muskie because they've eaten everything. Hopefully that means they're hungry. And, uh, but when they're, so when they're not biting, you can't like, well, let's go fish for something else. No, there's nothing else there. <coughs> so we fished for muskie. But really a better way to put it was that we, we hunted for muskie. We were out to persecute some muskie. We were, we were not out there just to wave hello. Man, we're going we're gonna to pursue and we're going to chase down these muskies to get one. So we go to the special lake where the muskies are. We know where they are. Got the fishing boat out. We uh, got, dropped the boat off. We got in. Man, we had uh, four lines with bait. We had sucker fish. We had four sucker fish that we put on a line. They were about this long. And we about 12 inches long. We dropped those things in the water, four of them. They're alive. They got hooks in them, but they're swimming around. Hopefully, like, here, little musky, musky, musky. They're just kind of swimming in there, you know, trying to, because trying to, we're hunting those things. <coughs> we trolled the entire lake. Then we cast with lures. So we got the four in the water. We're casting with lures and uh, doing that over and over again. Uh, we had a state-of-the-art sonar system with GPS. Uh, we had a giant net to pull in the muskies because you can't just pull them out of the water. You got to scoop them up with a big net. And we had musky gloves. You know why we have musky gloves? Okay. We have, we have musky gloves. They are, they are some, and, they, and they laughed at me when I went to hold my fish up because I was actually wearing the gloves because the real manly men who catch them don't, don't wear the gloves. I'm like, you know, have you seen the teeth on those things? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my stupid gloves and you can make fun of me all you want to. But I'm gonna... So we're, we are relentlessly hunting and pursuing these muskie to get one. It wasn't a random pursuit. I, I flew to Milwaukee and then drove up to the Northwoods. I was up there. Thank you very much. I, w- I was relentlessly trying to catch a muskie. And after three days of fishing, when we first put a sucker fish in, immediately one just grabbed this thing and went after it and took about half of it off. And then we didn't get another bite for three days. We're in there and nothing is happening. I mean, we're listening to the radio, we're eating food, you know, we're casting, nothing is happening. And then the third day, I finally got my fish right, right, at, the, right, at, the, right at the very end. And that is actually a small one. Compared to what, you know, that was a little undersized, but it was big enough for me. So I don't know if you can see, I got my, I got my big gloves on, my musky gloves. The, the, the point is this, we, we hunted those musky down. We found out where they were, we chased them, we pursued them. We did throw it back after we were done. We didn't keep it and eat it because they don't taste very good. If they, if they tasted good, I'd have kept it. But David uses this word, Radolf, on purpose. And when you think about David's life, David was a person who, he had things chase him all his life, didn't he? David was a guy who knew what it was like to be chased by enemies, you know? He had a lot of bad things follow him through his life. Uh, He didn't have an easy life. When he was anointed king, 
Saul and 3,000 elite troops chased David through the wilderness to kill him for years. Uh, he had bad things happen in his family, almost like he had bad luck following him sometimes. His kids were a mess. Uh, sin followed him. He made some horrible mistakes. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband Uriah, there were just some consequences of that that followed him through the rest of his life. Uh, his own son Absalom uh, came and, and kicked him out of the city and chased him down to kill him to become king. This is a word that David understood because he had been chased by a lot of tough things. But he says, I want you to know I've had enemies chase me. Maybe you've had things chase you or follow you throughout the course of your life. David says, I know I've had things chase me down relentlessly, but I want you to know what's really following me. I discovered even though I'm being followed by some of these tough things, goodness and faithfulness from the Lord is what's following me. And that's been the theme of my life. It is so easy when we've had things follow us and we've seen patterns of abuse or bad luck or challenges in our life. You know what I mean? We've seen some patterns of those things. It's easy to expect those things to have the final word. It's easy to, have those, to see those things as being the theme of our life and our experience and who we are. David's saying, no. <laughs> I understand there's been some things following you. I want you to know I've had some things follow me, but God's covenantal abiding love and His goodness are the themes of my life. They're following me. They're the biggest things following me. They are having the final word. And uh, it's, it's defined who I am. And I want you to know it's following me all the way back to the sheepfold, sheepfold. All the way back, it's following me. And it's kind of a picture of this, the sheepdog in the back. You know, the sheepdog, you, know, you ever watch a sheepdog interact with sheep? You know, they almost seem a little mean. They're, they're biting at their heels, they're snapping at them, they're barking. Men are driving those sheep. They're, they're keeping them from going to the right or the left. They're, they're, they're almost like an enemy. They're pursuing them, but they're doing it for their good to keep them moving because those sheepdogs know, man, it's getting dark. The wolves and the coyotes and the predators are coming out. The best thing for these sheep is to get them home, <laughs> get them back safely as soon as possible. So David says, I can be confident that good is on my heels and faithfulness is on my heels and on my side, and my good shepherd's not going to fail me. He is involved. You know, part of our job is to, to know that and accept that about our life, to grow in confidence. One thing I hope this psalm has taught you is that you can grow in confidence of how God feels about you and how He loves you and what He's doing in your life, you know? Hey, I want to cooperate. I want to do the best I can. I want to make good choices. You know, we complicate our own lives sometimes through bad relationships, you know, through bad decisions, through shortcuts. You know, we make life complicated sometimes. And we can make it, we can make it harder on ourselves. But even when we mess it up, God keeps pursuing us and chasing us down. I could dare to say there's been some of us here today 
that you've gotten off track and God's chased you down. And you've gotten off track and God's chased you down. And hey, you've gotten off track and God's chased you down because he loves you. And he's like that sheepdog on your heels, kind of, kind of keeping you moving in the right direction. And you even wonder like, I don't know why I'm turning back to the Lord right now because I've blown this thing so many times. And we, and we all have done that some. We, we've all been there. It's not just a few of us in here. We've all done that. And, and, we, and we keep coming back because he's, he's at our heels. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. You know, I bet there are some days where David just wasn't feeling it. There are some days he's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm telling you goodness and mercy is following me, but hey, I also want you, I don't feel it today, you know? But we know it from the Word, and we know it from experience, and um, we encourage each other and we share what God's doing in our life. Next week when we share, one of the purposes of that is not to brag, but it's to encourage each other that, hey, this is what God's doing for me. I mean, I should be out there dead or who knows what, but God has been faithful and he has taken care of me and he is involved. And I, I just want everybody to know. If David could stand up here today, wouldn't that be cool? Could stand up here today, he would say this, man, man I've had some crazy experiences and there's been some, some wild stuff happening in my life. I wondered if I was going to make it sometimes, but I want you to know God's goodness and covenant love and faithfulness have been following me from day one, and He would not let me go. <laughs> He's been hunting me down all the days of my life, and it's made all the difference. I want to encourage you for next week to do something. I want, I'm going to encourage us this week, as you think of your life, and the things that you've been through, if you think about this year specifically even, and what you've been through, I want to encourage you just to write some things down of how God's been faithful to you. Just write down a couple things. You don't have to write out a whole story. If, if you're that kind of person, go for it. Write down that whole story. But for many of you, man, God has, God has been faithful to you this year. He's been at work in your life. He's doing stuff. Things have changed for you a little bit this year, many of you. Write those things down, and when we have time to share next week, you can just come up and say, hey, I want you to know what God's done in my life this week. And that will be so encouraging to all of us, and it will be, it'll be great for us, you know. Uh, he's giving us stories. Okay, now the very last line, David wraps us up. I'm going to kind of wrap it up for us. He wraps it up with this line. Surely goodness and mercy, faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's that talking about, okay? David's passion was the presence of the Lord. David loved to be in, in, the, in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle in that day, the tent. When he was away from Jerusalem, you know, God manifests his presence. God manifests his presence everywhere he wants to, but in that day he manifested his presence in the, in the, in the tent, in the tabernacle, and David, when he was in Jerusalem, would just go in there and just be with the Lord. And there'd be all the sacrifices taking place, and there'd be the worshipers worshiping, worshiping and the incense and the smells. And it was just a multi-sensory experience. And, and even later when David was king, man, when he had spare time, he was at the tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. That's where he wanted to be. 
It was, it was home for him, you know. He says, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. That was David's passion. He longed for God's presence. He wrote about it. He sang about it. When he was out being pursued and chased in the wilderness, he was, he was separated from that experience of being in the tabernacle. And he's making a point here. You know, not only is God going to bring me back to the sheep pen at the end of the day, but what's marking my entire life is God drawing me to himself and being in his presence. That's what God's doing in my life. He's not only guiding me on a journey, he's not, just a, he's not a spiritual GPS, <laughs> you know, he does that for us, but he is drawing us to himself. And really the point David's making in all this is this, man, the, the blessing for the sheep is the shepherd. The shepherd is home. <laughs> the shepherd is with them and loving them and caring about them. And, and that's, that's the blessing that we have. Uh, I'm going to share more about this in our next series. We're starting here soon. But we're on a journey together right now, and God's Holy Spirit is in us. And in 2022, we're going to focus on two things, loving and serving the poor and under-resourced and experiencing the presence of God. What's 22 going to be like for us? We're going to love and serve the poor and under-resourced in our neighborhood. And we're going to experience and help others experience the manifest presence of the Lord in our life, His, His presence and His blessings. And it's awesome. And David is saying, man, it's part of my promised future, but I don't have to wait. The goodness and faithfulness of the Lord are following me. And I just want you to know, from now till the end, man, I am with Him, and He is with me, and I don't have to wait. See, this has been my prayer for you in this whole series and my prayer for myself. You know, I didn't anticipate when we started this series that I was going to get sick and have challenges and be home in my rocking chair like an old man sitting around waiting for some surgery. And, and, and a lot of us, we've, we've just had some challenges lately. And if we can just understand and know that even when life doesn't go our way, man, he is faithful he is leading us. He's involved. We are not on our own. And He's a good shepherd. If we can know it in the hard times, man, when times are easy and good, we're going to stay faithful and it's going to be good for us. It's going it's to be a wonderful thing for us. So uh, my prayer for you is that you will just grow in confidence of how loved you are and how involved God is in your life. He cares about you. Wipe it out of your mind. I don't deserve that. Yeah, we don't. None of us do. Get that out of your mind. You have it. You have His acceptance and His love, and that's good for us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for being so good, and let us pray. Just keep, Lord, keep giving us experiences of Your faithfulness. Keep giving us, Lord, experiences of, of how much You love us and how good You are to us. Lord, we appreciate You and all that You're doing in our lives. Lord, keep giving us stories <coughs> of times where it felt dark and the predators were coming and Lord, you just took over <laughs> and you did these great things. God, I just thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, even right now, I pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, come and just emphasize and back up the things that you've been teaching us, even right now as we stand and we worship you.
Holy Spirit, come and just testify just to the the goodness of the Lord Jesus and the Father. Lord, we love you today. Lord, we receive your affirmation and your goodness. And Lord, I thank you that you're chasing us and hunting us down. Lord, we appreciate all that you are and all that you're doing. And Lord, I pray for some of us, Lord, just that, that manifestation of joy and cheer and the comfort of your favor in our lives, Lord. That that would just, we just would emerge as the theme of our week. Lord, just do that in our lives. We thank you, God, for who you are and what you're doing. And we bless you. Thank you, Lord.